I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. At the age of eight, Bill Elder Jr. was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, a rare genetic disease expected to cut his life short. Now a third-year medical student, Elder has been the beneficiary of Vertex Pharmaceuticals Kaleidico, an example of the transformative effects personalized therapies can have on patients. As President Barack Obama announced plans for a precision medicine initiative during his State of the Union address, Elder sat alongside First Lady Michelle Obama as a living and breathing testament to the promise of precision medicine. We spoke to Elder about his recent visit to Washington, his experience with cystic fibrosis, and the difference Kaladico has made in his life. Bill, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about your experience as someone with cystic fibrosis, breakthrough therapies designations at the FDA, and personalized medicine. But I wanted to start by asking you about a recent date you went on. You were the guest of First Lady Michelle Obama for the State of the Union speech. What was it like? Walk us through your night. Oh, wow. Um, honestly, the whole thing was amazing. Um, it was uh, kind of a nonstop like, joyride. It felt like a dream the whole time. You were just meeting all these remarkably powerful and impressive and incredibly nice people that you uh, just see on TV and you never think you'll ever encounter in your real life. But um, I'll tell you this, when we actually were in that room when uh, the president was giving the State of the Union, there was just this like sense of excitement that was hanging in the air. And you could see when he started speaking about precision medicine that everyone was just like totally wrapped up in the idea that this is something new and this is something profound. And the fact that the government's starting to focus on orphan diseases and how we can treat these, it's really inspiring, to be honest. How did that all come about? Why were you invited? Sure. So the, the reason I was selected is because I am a cystic fibrosis patient, and I happen to have a certain gene called G551D. And there's a new medication that's come out recently called Kaleidico, or Ivacaftor, which actually works on my specific genotype to target the defective ion channel in cystic fibrosis and actually dramatically improve my health. So this is kind of the vision of precision medicine, targeting a specific aspect of an individual like their genes or their microbiome, and then using very specific treatments to target that disease. And um, I understand that that's uh, certainly one of the president's policy initiatives. Well, you were there in part because of the personalized medicine or precision medicine initiative that's going to be announced on February 4th when the details get released. But did you get any kind of a preview of what that's going to include? You know, I didn't really learn much about the policy yet. Um, I think they're keeping that under wraps, but I'm very excited to see what happens. Well, as you mentioned, you're the beneficiary of a personalized therapy, one of 4% of cystic fibrosis patients that have that specific gene mutation that's driving the disease that would benefit from Kaleidico. But before we talk about your experiences with the drug, perhaps you can explain to our listeners what cystic fibrosis is, how it manifests itself, and and what you were told about your own prognosis when you were diagnosed. Of course. So um, cystic fibrosis is a systemic disorder, which means it affects many organs in the body. And it's a genetic disease, so you're born with it. You need to have two copies of the defective genes for your parents. And what those genes actually code for is what's called an ion channel. And ion channels just move salt and uh, sodium and chloride 
back and forth across all the smooth membranes in your body. So when you make mucus in your lungs, which is a normal process and it helps carry things out of the lungs, you can normally push salt into that mucus to bring water into that mucus to make it thinner. Now, in cystic fibrosis, that ion channel is broken, and it leads to very thick mucus. And the thick mucus is the heart of the problem with cystic fibrosis. In the lungs, it gets stuck inside the lungs, and bacteria gets trapped behind it, and is actually able to kind of attack the lung and destroy the lung a bit there. In the pancreas, the mucus is also produced there, and it's so thick that it actually plugs up the pancreas. And as a result, the digestive enzymes that you need to break down your food aren't able to be secreted. So that's kind of the basic look at cystic fibrosis. Now, I was first diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when I was eight years old, which is actually a lot later than most people's cystic fibrosis, thanks to the newborn screening program. I was born in Nebraska, however, and they weren't doing the newborn screening program at the time. What, uh, what, what were you told about yeah, your right. prognosis when you were diagnosed? When I, when I was first diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, um, I, I was told that, you know, it, it does have a, a limited lifespan right now. At least the prognosis was early adulthood. Um, but I was also told that there was lots of hope, and there was a real sense of excitement and hope around the CF clinic. And that's because there was so much research on the horizon for new therapies for CF, for new ways to break up the mucus, for new ways to fight the bacteria. And so I've always had this outlook that, you know what, that early adulthood, maybe that doesn't fully apply. Sure, I, I probably have some limited lifespan, and maybe even a rather short one is what I thought as a kid. But I figured there's a chance out there that these top researchers and these amazing scientists and doctors are going to make it possible for me to live my dreams and really try to do something, you know, that requires a bit more investment in my life. Well, during a Capitol Hill briefing back in July, you talked about the first time you used Kaleidico. What was that like? So that was um, quite an experience. I still remember it to this day. Um, my mother was all excited, of course, uh, waiting to see when Kaleidico would arrive. So she um, was waiting for the UPS guy to arrive with a little brown box that had Kaleidico in it. This was before it had all the fancy packaging and everything. And um, I had been following the drug all throughout the phases of uh, FDA approval. So I was well aware that it is uh, lipophilic, which means you have to eat it with a fatty meal for it to be absorbed properly. So um, like any good CF patient, I cooked up a whole bunch of bacon, got a big old glass of milk, which is extremely unhealthy for anyone that has CF. Please, please note if you're listening. Um, but uh, I, I took that. Um, I took my first pill, which is this little blue pill um, called Kaleidico, VX770. It was the name of it back then. And uh, then uh, I just uh, went about the rest of my evening and went to bed. But then something amazing happened. At about 3 a.m. or so at night, I woke up and just sat there in my bed, noticed that something was different. And so I couldn't quite place it. So I sat on the floor of my room and got my you know, notebook out to start taking any notes on any symptoms I had noticed that were changing because, you know, I was a scientist, still a scientist and interested in that kind of thing. And then I noticed what had really changed was I was able to breathe easily in and out through my nose. And that's something I'd never really been able to do before. I'd always had um, really no sense of smell because of the thick mucus in the nose and the constant inflammation. And uh, I unfortunately had to breathe through my mouth a lot at night when I was sleeping, so my sleep wasn't as restful. But suddenly, within a few hours of taking the first dose, I had popped my nose open, was already breathing better and feeling the immediate effect. So I sat for a while, still kind of, you know, a bit incredulous that this was actually happening until it fully sunk in. And then I ran down the hall because I happened to be staying at my parents' house at the time in Colorado and knocked on the door and I said, Kaleidico's working, Kaleidico's working. And uh, everyone was just extremely excited from that. And um, honestly, from then, there's, there's just been kind of a nonstop um, journey of noticing how much it's improved my health. Yeah, how old were you at the time? So I was around 24, 23. I, th I think 
people who have had a, a lifelong disease and, and suddenly have a, a drug that has this kind of an impact, it, it's transformational and it, it changes the way they, they view their, their world and their future. And I'm wondering what impact this had on you at the time. Yeah, so um, it, that's a very, very interesting question. So I had always, uh, well, actually throughout high school and then when I got into college, I had planned on becoming a doctor. I really fell in love with science at a young age. And um, with my experience with lots of CF doctors and everyone involved in the CF team, I really learned that medicine was a way that I could help improve you know, the lives of others with science. And um, it was always something that I knew I, I really wanted to do and I knew it, who, knew it was who I was deep inside. But there was this lingering doubt in my mind that could I be healthy enough to make it through medical school? Could I be healthy enough to see sick patients on a daily basis and not get sick myself and compromise my own health? And I think Kaleidico just like flipped everything on its head and said, you know what? Suddenly this is possible. You can make it through medical school. You can become a doctor. You can really follow your dream and make this possible. And that was an eye-opening event to me that just changed everything. Well, one of the reasons you were able to benefit from the drug when you did is that it was part of a a new FDA-accelerated approval process known as breakthrough therapies. This allows drugs to treat life-threatening conditions for which there are no comparable alternatives, a faster path to market. What does that mean to patients like you? Faster drug approval means less lung damage, and that is absolutely critical. There are so many people I know with CF out there right now who are, are fighting a battle against these chronic bacteria, these pseudomonas and non-tuberculous microbacteria and just so many other ones that really the quicker we can get drugs to these patients, once, we're, once we know that they're efficacious, the quicker they can start to see results and the less lung damage they can have. So I, I know there are tons of families who are just eagerly watching these drugs go through the FDA phases, wondering when they'll get their hands on them. And uh, thankfully, with um, the fast track, which has already been around for a while, and then the breakthrough designation, which is pretty new and followed Kaleidico's approval, um, this is faster than ever. And we're actually able to get drugs to patients in a, a much more urgent timescale. Well, Cladico was the result of a, a unique partnership between a patient organization and a drug maker. We, we discussed venture philanthropy model that drove Cladico with Margaret Anderson of Faster Cures in our first rarecast for anyone who wants to take a listen. But from a patient's point of view, how important is finding these new types of model for funding drug development? Well, I think it's, uh, first of all, I think it's an incredibly, incredibly innovative idea, venture philanthropy. It kind of flipped everything on its head and took the focus away from the larger diseases that are going to make a lot of money for the pharmaceuticals and said, hey, you know, there's a lot of orphan diseases out there, too, that we'd like you to get involved in researching. And I think more innovative models like this is only going to be good for the patients at the end of the day because it's going to lead to more drugs for some of the diseases that are these orphan diseases that aren't quite as uh, represented in the current pharmaceutical industry. Bill, you're a, a third-year medical student as a living, breathing example of the benefits of precision medicine. I'm wondering how this whole experience has shaped your medical education and how you expect to approach the practice of medicine. Yeah, so that's a, a very good question. Honestly, being a CF patient and having so many exacerbations where I ended up in the hospital with IV meds and uh, peripherally inserted catheters, you know, going all up into my heart. Um, I really had a different view of morbidity and mortality than I think some of my colleagues had. Um, I thought when I was very young that, honestly, I wasn't going to make it past age 40. I just kind of accepted that, oh, you know what, honestly, by then, probably I'll have some serious lung problems and I'll have to deal with that. So that really framed everything different in my life and caused me to be, I, I, at least in my opinion, a lot more reflective and think about the human aspect and quality of life. 
And I think from that, I've been able to work that into my own, you know, care for the patients that I see every day. And that's helped me become more empathetic and understand what they're going through when they're explaining what their disease is like and the toll it's taking on them. So I think going into the future, my experience with cystic fibrosis is really going to help me connect with my patients more and help understand what they're going through, but also understand the urgency they feel for getting new treatments that can help them and getting the care they need when they need it. Inspiring, to be honest. Bill Elder, Jr., cystic fibrosis patient, patient advocate, Stanford graduate, and third-year medical student at the Boonshoff School of Medicine at Wright State University in Ohio. Bill, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me on. A few housekeeping notes. Over on our sister podcast, The Bio Report, you can hear the University of Rochester's Ray Dorsey discuss the United States' declining investment in biomedical research and what could be done to reverse the trend. Next week on Rarecast, tune in to hear Hudson Freeze, director of the Human Genetics Program at Sanford Burnham Medical Research Institute, discuss World Rare Disease Day and the role awareness plays in advancing research and improving diagnoses. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.